Tarantino. Close. 
listening to CITR FM 102, Cable 102, Vancouver, British Columbia, Canada. And the Nardwar to Human Serviette Radio Show. Right now, we have a guest in the studio today. Who do we have in the studio today? We have Ace from Toronto in the studio today. <laughs> We have... I think it's actually you we who's have, the guest. We have Ace. We have... Oh, exactly. Let's start over again, shall we? I forgot to turn on the mic. You are listening to the CITRs. <laughs> you are listening to the Nardwar, the human serviette radio show on CITR, FM 102, Cable 102, Vancouver, British Columbia, Canada. And we have a special guest in the building who is assumed... The position near the turntables. In other words, he has the main mic. He has the mic for today, and he has brought in a whole bunch of records to spin. And I turn on the wrong mic because I am reserved Nardwar to Human Serviette to the second, to the third mic. Because also we have Ace. Hello, Ace. Hey, what's up, guys? And I turned on your mic. Who are you, Ace? Man, just a guy from Toronto on vacation. You are friends with this gentleman right here. It's could, true. Could, when I said, who are you? Who is this gentleman right here? Oh, I'm Cipriano's moral support. Cipriano, who are you? Kevin. You are Kevin Howes. Cipriano. Yeah. Welcome to the Nardwar to Human Serviette radio show. I'm actually, I'm Cipriano's personal trainer. Sorry. Uh, Cipriano, what did we hear? What did we hear? Just there, right off the top. Because you, you said we must have a double shot. What did we hear? A double shot right off the top. Right off the top was do something nice today, which is what we're hopefully all trying to do, myself included. I feel like I'm almost getting there by doing this show, saying hello to everyone. Uh, Pete Schofield. Talk to Jake one about Pete Schofield. There's another story there. The next song was Mendoza by Gord Heyman and Jack McDonald. That's a local record from around 1976, a soft rock ditty. It was part of a musical. I read about that in an old issue of uh, Discorder, um, you know, the UBC newspaper. CITRs. CITRs. It's amazing the things you can find in the back issues when you dig into those archives. So what are you, Cipriano? Just a little background on yourself. You've been on the Nardwar, the Human Serviette radio show before, but just for the people that haven't heard you, you've brought a whole bunch of records. What? Who are you, Cipriano, exactly? What do you do? And actually, anything more about the records that people heard? People heard some soft rock, some Gino. Yeah, Gino was in reference to Socio. I think my man Ace is really representing the, the primetime Gino Socio vibe right now, more in the energy and his spirit. It's a Montreal disco producer from the 70s. You should check him out, Gino Socio. Check out Ace as well. And, um, Socio. I'm going to be playing some records. I'm a music man. Um, I collect records and I connect people. So we're going to be playing some of my favorite music. I'm honored to be on the show yet again. Well, you, Cipriano, connected me with Paul Weller, didn't you? Well, you know, we all came together on that one. I'm so happy that it was uh, worked out. And, like, it was an honor to meet Paul. And he put on an amazing show with his band, like Steve Craddock. And all those guys are really incredible musicians. So to hear that music live was an honor. Got to even hear some style counsel in the mix. So that was... That Come on magical. up. I think he played Come On Up, didn't he? <laughs> or that song that has a refrain, Come On Up. But I saw you in Red Cat Records, and you said, Hey, Nardwar, you should do an interview with Paul Weller. And I said, You're crazy. I said, I've tried for years, forget it. And I actually said, 
that the Merton Parkas were better <laughs> than the Jam. Who were yeah. the Merton Parkas? Because you actually have a connection to the Merton Parkas. And it occurred to me, I did not ask Paul Weller what was his favorite of the mod revival bands. Yeah, you Hopefully, he might have said the jam, but the uh, I, Merton Parkas is Nick Talbot, his partner in the Style Council. That was his uh, prior band, Merton Parkas. I think they were, they were, Parkas. <laughs> you need wheels. Is their big hit? Okay. You can check it out on yeah, YouTube. They're talking about a scooter. FYI. Oh, I, I didn't know that. Yeah, that would be wow. my guess. Wow! Boom. Uh, anyways, the, I said the Merton yeah, Parkas were better than a jam. Yeah, that was. But you actually had a letter from a Merton Parka. Yeah, a relative. Re, a re, some, somebody from the Style Council, Nick Talbot, his aunt or grandmother lived in Surrey, BC. And um, big up Surrey. I always. found a letter inside of a Style Council record that was addressed to the relative and talking about watching Mick on television and stuff over in England. It's pretty amazing, the things you can find at Value Village. And we were going to bring that record to show Paul Weller, yeah. but it was way out in your storage locker? Yeah, we had to get it. I'd lent it out to a friend, Jay Gunzik, Limbo. You know, people might know Limbo from the Touch by the Hand of the Mod Knights at the Waldorf, a little thing that we did, um, Limbo. I had given that to him as a gift, and he's a disciple of Maud, and uh, as I am in my hippie-ish ways. But the, um, yeah, Jay, what's up? Limbo, this next one's for you. Well, actually, and we almost showed Paul Weller the Merton Parkas letter, and I didn't ask Paul Weller what was his favorite Maud revival band, aside from the jam. Yeah. What if he said to Merton Parkas? What if he said to Squire? It's interesting, mm -hmm. but I did not ask that question. But you can if you join CITR. Anybody can be a DJ. Anybody can do a radio show, but not everybody can find records like Cipriano. What are we going to hear right now, Cipriano? We're going to hear a song It's uh, dedicated to... Uh, the memory of Brian Edwards, the singer in this fine group called Riverson from Montreal from the early 70s. It was an outgrowth of Mash McCann. You can check out their hit as the years go by, and they're very deep, like, albums, uh, Mash McCann and The Family. But Riverson followed followed Mash McCann, and this song is called Winter Garden. If you ever see anything with Riverson on it, you should just buy it. They had a couple singles and an album. That's just divine. So here we go from the personal collection of Cipriano!
Alcatraz, Alcatraz, Alcatraz. Few have seen your beauty like the Indian has. Few have seen your beauty like the Because you care, because you care. Alcatraz, 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 Alcatraz. Few have seen your beauty like the Seen your beauty like the Indian
And you're still listening to the Nardwar to Human Serviette radio show with guest DJ Cipriano. Although, Cipriano, you hate the word DJ, don't you? You said for me not to use the word DJ. Oh, I'm Cipriano. He's Cipriano. If it I, transcends DJing. And we also have Ace from Toronto. Hey, guys. I'm still here. And right off the bat, Cipriano, what did we hear going way back? Because we heard some Neil Youngish type tunes. Yeah, that's, was I wrong to say that was Neil Youngish? Well, I'd say on, that's that was some music by Riverson and the song Winter Garden. Uh, on their album, I definitely think there's there's stronger echoes of Neil Young, but it's cool that you picked up that on about it you know like they're definitely of the same era mash mccann's second album was produced by david briggs who was the uh the the producer of neil young so was that a mash mccann spin-off band yeah yeah riverson followed mash mccann the uh the bass player singer brian edwards who just passed away last year um he he was you know he became the singer of riverson and the guitar player rayburn blake who's an amazing fellow. Shout out to Rayburn if you're ever listening out there. Um, uh, yeah, Rayburn's a wicked guitar player. And they added Frankie, um, Frankie Hart, who's amazing, and uh, Graham Lear, the drummer of Gino Vanelli. Though we were shouting out Gino earlier, but that was in regards to Socio. But anyways, we heard Riverson. Then we went into a Beatles cover by Fraser and DeBolt from Toronto. Uh, amazing group that had two albums on Columbia Records in Canada. I think they were released in the States, too. This is all Canadian, pretty much, isn't it? So, yeah, we're, we just heard a Beatles cover, but, yeah, by a Canadian act. Where do you find these records? What makes you pick up these records? The way they look, or do you know them? Oh, it's just a habit, you know? But, like, the, but like look, just looking for so many records over the years and then getting turned on to records by people like Ty Scammell of For the Record. Lockjaw. Yeah, Lockjaw, um, you know records that came from uh, you know an old friend of mine like oh, they come from wherever but you just keep learning and you keep studying it and then you just have the eye you know then the records come to you and we also heard in that set some sort of like what would you say Ace we also have Ace here some class you like that you like that tune didn't you I, I was digging the jazz tune the jazz some, tune there was something in between no? how dare I equate jazz and classical together well no they're both wonderful genres of music but uh, I prefer to keep it jazzy and you were saying it's Skip from the Poppers yeah we the last thing that we heard was a, a piece by Don composer Don Franks growing up is the name of the song by Paul Hofert. And Paul Hofert was later Skip Prokop's uh, rhythm section partner in the group called Lighthouse. Uh, One wow. Fine Morning and Sunny Days and all the, the great Lighthouse hits from Toronto from the early 70s. I think my dad did like one gig with Lighthouse on bass. That's incredible. <laughs> I'm honestly not even joking. Was like, he in the band, been, East? Yeah, my father was a musician. But like was more he in of bands? Like a, yeah, but more like house bands that would do covers and things like that. Like not a lot of recorded music, but more so, um, yeah, like the the house band at a nightclubs in the seventies or eighties or something like that. What songs were Lighthouse known for? One fine morning. There you go. One fine morning. I'm and not a before Lighthouse, Lighthouse they were called the Poppers, weren't they? Yeah, I think there was the, the the rhythm section. Yeah, Skip and Paul, they they were in the Poppers. Um, I just want to shout out uh, um, Bernie from Two North Records. He just sent me 
a copy of his autobiography. I wanted to thank thank him for that. Um, but he was the manager of the Poppers, the Ooh, first manager in New York in. days. And the Poppers also backed up the Beatles and Bev Davies, local photographer from Vancouver, drew up the Poppers drum head. Wow, I did not know. A connection That's from amazing. the Beatles, a connection from Vancouver, a connection from Ace, Toronto. a connection from Cipriano. And again, you're listening to Cipriano's record collection. Kind of rare for people to hear these tunes, right, Cipriano? They're all available on YouTube, alternatively. <laughs> However, you have to dig really hard to find it. Especially, you have to dig, and I have to thank Cliff Nesteroff, who will be coming to Vancouver very soon to do some comedy, and he wrote a book all about Canadian comedy. He sent me a link of The Chieftones, which I sent to you, Cipriano. What can you say about that link of The Chieftones that people can check out on What's Your Line or whatever? Yeah, Chieftones. The Chieftones were an amazing rock and roll group um, that originated... Um, uh, formed at a residential school in Edmonton. Um, and it was a group assembled by a sort of a, a teacher of some sort and um, assembled this group and they started playing, getting quite good, and then actually moved down to the States to pursue their dreams in the music business and got hooked up with a record label called Kuka Records and put out some different singles, I think even on independent labels, uh, an incredible uh, First Nations group with members from all over uh, in the West Coast, um, uh, Upper West Coast of Turtle Island. It's very, in- very interesting story. But uh, Nardwar had sent me an email a couple weeks ago about a clip from a uh, that the Chief Tones appeared. They they had agency booking by the William Morris Agency, is a big uh, concert uh, promotion advertising agency in the '70s and '60s, and they were signed to this organization. So they were actually getting a lot of gigs. They wore um, headdress and sort of regalia with suits and. Um, and uh, it was part of the, you know, their indigeneity, but also just um, just to, as a marketing technique as well, you know, got them a lot of attention. They played with the Beach Boys, I think, at Madison Square Gardens around the around uh, Pet Sounds era, like a really incredible history. I want to show to Albert Canadian from the Chief Tones um, and the other members um, for their. Um, their incredible conversations uh, as I was putting together the Native North America compilation. We feature a Chief Tone song on the compilation. It was an honor to get to know some of the artists and still actually looking for Albert. He's, he's, his phone line's gone missing for me for a while, and I need to, uh, I need to re- reestablish touch. Albert Canadian, if you happen to be listening out there, uh, don't, get, uh, don't be afraid to give me a shout. I look forward to speaking soon. And this was pretty incredible. Was it the first time you saw the Chieftones perform? Is this the only documented proof that the Chieftones recorded video-wise? Yeah, they were on television. Yeah, it's amazing. This clip that you had sent me on this game show that I think came through Cliff, which is amazing. Um, Yeah, I I had no idea. But they probably did a little bit of TV. They might have done some more as well. They were very active, you know. In and the, the in songs they played are on your compilation, your native North American compilation? Yeah, that's a record released by Light in the Attic Records, a compilation of 24 different artists and groups of First Nations, Métis, and Inuit heritage, um, folk rock and country music from the years of 1966 to 1985. And uh, just returned recently from uh, what we call a Native North America gathering, which was an event at the National Arts Center in Ottawa, 
um, through the Megaphono Festival in Ottawa, a great music festival. But we did this event with artists featured on the compilation and as well as the incredible uh, Alani Sobomsoin, um, an 85-year-old uh, force of nature that shared some songs with us and a poem about the late, great Willie Dunn. And we know about Willie Dunn from the Native North America compilation as well as a very important uh, Mi'kmaq uh, singer-songwriter, filmmaker, and just uh, force, another force in nature. So, yeah, working with a lot of Native North America-related events, that was a very special and very emotional evening for everyone in Ottawa. And thank everyone that made that possible and the people that came out and, you know, all gathered with us. It's so cool that there have been like 15 gatherings. There's yeah, been all sorts of events featuring the artists on the compilation, some of them. And like this event in Ottawa also included uh, Leanne Simpson and Ansley Simpson and Nick Ferriero as well, who performed there. They weren't featured on the compilation, but you know, are contemporary established and artists doing incredible, incredible things. And good response, like the cover of Now magazine. Well, yeah, the media is. The media should be covering the, and featuring these artists on, on the front covers of their papers and, you know, throughout, you know, it's really, it's uh, it's uh, very important. These are important artists and, you know, they should be given the same space that the other mainstream artists have been for so many years, hogging the, we can share the land in that capacity. There's lots of uh, space for, you know, stories and songs uh, represent the breadth of people that live here on these lands and, um, we'll have more of that ahead, please. It's cool that you put together this compilation, but you've like t- taken like a personal interest in like getting it out there. In fact, yeah. didn't you also send the compilation and you got a reply from Justin Trudeau? Yeah, Justin Trudeau. Uh, I thought it was important that he was aware of this history if he wasn't already. And um, I wanted him to know about these artists and their and their music and songs. So, yeah. Uh, he did receive it after a little little bit of time, but he did receive it and replied and said thanking thanking me and you know, and um, you know I think that's that's great. I hope he enjoyed it. I heard he's a music fan, so I've seen that he was friends with uh, you know musicians and and such. So he must have a vinyl collection. So he needs the you know native. Oh, North you send him the vinyl. Yeah, the native North America. Oh yeah. Oh, I vinyl. thought you send him the CD version. Oh, vinyl CD and some f- lovely photos and. Um, yeah, it was a nice kid. He, he, I just wanted him to be aware. Maybe he was already. You know, maybe he was at home rocking Willie Thrasher. Wolves don't live by the rules, but uh, I doubt it. But we have to educate and share share this important history. What do we have coming up right now? Oh, we have a record. It's a, it's an easy listening record called Frank Hunter and His Orchestra. The song's called Pulse from the White Goddess album. This is a early 60s sort of lounge record. It's a sound that I gravitate towards at times from Cipri Anno on CITR Thank you. 
My name is Nomi Wall. I've been in Canada for almost four years. It'll be four years in September. Um, I'm not here because I'm a draft resistor. I'm a girl. And my husband isn't a draft resistor either. I'm um, connected with the super committee to aid draft resistors who've come to Toronto. Uh, what I really want to talk about is Canada, why I think I'll stay here uh, and never really live in the States again, except maybe to visit for a while, and why I'm quite seriously considering becoming a Canadian citizen in a year when I've been here for five years. And it's not that I've alleviated any guilt, really, by living here, because I, as an American citizen, I think that's with me all the time. When you grow up in the United States and go to school through the 12th grade, uh, the kind of education you get is really geared towards brainwashing you in a very, very subtle way. It's got a lot to do with national identity, I suppose, and this sickening feeling of superiority. I, pr I myself wasn't involved in that kind of family situation where we had American flags waving in the backyard. But even now, my mother, who's, who's um, a fairly progressive and liberal-minded woman, finds it difficult to shake off a lot, of, a lot of the brainwashing that she got when she was in high school. Canadians really don't know anything about this kind of brainwashing. And um, the, your role changes completely. Boys who come to Canada to settle find themselves being expected to play entirely different roles. The success story isn't the same. The Canadian dream, if there is one, has absolutely nothing. Um, it doesn't compare at all with the American dream. And it just isn't the easy thing that the critics of these boys think it is. It's a very, very difficult thing to actually call the whole basis and structure of your life um, a lie. I've been in Canada now for uh, six months, and I find that while Canada is not so different culturally from the United States as many foreign countries are, there are a great many differences. Uh, the Canadian people, for one thing, are very friendly people, and uh, they will go out of their way to help one. Life is a little more relaxed, especially in Toronto, a little less hectic. It moves fast, but not quite as nervously as it moves in many places in the United States. Canadians also seem to have a somewhat less vested interest in their own imagery. They don't seem to be struggling to uphold uh, the images that they've created for themselves, about themselves, and for their country, as, again, many people in the United States seem to be doing. I find the people very friendly for the most part. Many people who are obviously veterans of the Second World War and some of Korea and even the First World War have encouraged me and been very friendly. I find most people, if they're not friendly, they're indifferent. Very little hostility have I noticed. Most of the discrimination that I have in, encountered has been the simple reason that unlike the majority of my fellow draft resistors or draft dodgers or whatever you'd like to call us, is that I don't have much of an education and have, having to compete for unskilled jobs it's, it's been pretty rough economically and if I have, should be unable to keep supporting myself in Canada I would have to go back it would be probably the two main reasons would be either 
inability to support myself economically or a failure of bad health. I can say this, if I did have to leave Canada, my heart would remain here. I like this much more than my hometown. I think it's a great country to live in. Even if I were to be deported from Canada today, I still wouldn't have no grudge against the Canadian government. And, and if I ever went back to the States, my heart would be set and I'd live for the day when I could return. When I first came to Canada, I was very nervous, almost paranoid, because living in the United States makes one paranoid. One has to be in order to survive. But when I landed, and when I got through, and when I realized I'd gotten through safely, I was struck by a great, wonderful sense of freedom, because for the first time in many, many years, I realized that I was free to go to school or not to go to school, to join an army or not to join an army, to be myself or, or not to be myself, that is, to go out into the business world, without having the draft hanging over my head. It's hard for a Canadian, or anyone who doesn't live in the United States for that matter, to realize what life is like when you're always pursued by the draft. The freedom that they talk about in the United States just doesn't apply to kids between 18 and 35. Of course, when you're 35, you're not a kid either, but being faced by the draft gives you a very precarious position. To realize that I could just be myself, could drift for a while, could find things out about myself without owing a military obligation to anybody is a dizzying feeling and a very wonderful one. I think that it was a very useful one, too, because it made me realize certain things about myself, not having this weird obligation. Now that I've came to Canada, I find, well, myself, things very different. For once, you're a foreigner. And, I mean, you remember how people used to talk about being tolerant to other people. Now the shoe's on the other foot. I'm glad... I can say that myself that I never mistreated anybody of foreign birth or had any grudges against them because I'd sure hate for them chickens to come home to roost now. I find the fellows up at the Super Draft Dodger headquarters are a very nice bunch of people. I, I enjoy being with them. And frankly, they give you a lot of encouragement, if not financial encouragement, at least moral courage to keep going. I think the Canadian people are a very tolerant group of group as a whole. I haven't noticed discrimination against me or none of my fellow draft dodgers has ever told me of being discriminated against. Naturally, there is some. There's bigots and that type of people anywhere you go. But I think Canada's a very wonderful place and I think the Canadians are a very easy-going bunch to get along with. We have been very warmly received by the people. We have, I personally have never had a hostile response from anybody, and uh, except for a few college students in the Maritimes. I've traveled a greater part of Canada, and uh, I have been warmly received by many, many people. I think Canada offers a uh, very good home for those interested in a sane society. And uh, although I've only been in Canada for seven or eight months, it very much has become a home for me, and I'm very thankful to the Canadian community for accepting me for what I am. I don't really have uh, any regrets as far as leaving the United States. I, mean, I feel at peace with myself. I regret the fact that I have to avoid the United States in my travels and be careful that I do not cross over the border. It, it's, it's an uncomfortable feeling. 
being accused of a felony or being a felon or a criminal or whatever. It is uh, for an ordinary person who's trying to lead a moral life uh, to be cast in with the same lot with uh, dope addicts and and murderers and thieves and and, and tax evaders and, and the like and is uh, quite uh, well perplexing. You think of yourself in a certain way your entire life, and all of a sudden you're a, a criminal, and all you've done is obey your conscience. You're still listening to the Nardwar, the Human Serviette Radio Show with special guest DJ S.I.P. Cipriano, also his friend Ace. Ace. What? C-E. What did <laughs> from Toronto? Toronto, a lot of Toronto tie-ins today. And you were saying yeah. also your dad had a special guitar. Your yeah. dad oh, did man. play the my lighthouse. Yeah, I, I thought I'd mention uh, that. I mean, again, he was uh, kind of like a, a house band musician. 
in his youth uh, prior to me being alive. I think he gave up his dreams of pursuing a musical career. He does still play in some bands um, just as a hobby. But uh, he made a guitar as a showman that he was. He made a guitar out of a kitchen chair and uh, would, you know, like hack away on that that chair axe and uh, really, I'm sure, just made the ladies melt. Thank you, Ace, from Toronto. You're welcome. And what did we hear in the last set, starting what we played with to begin with? Oh, we heard... Some more easy listening, right? Yeah, we had some Frank Hunter, a um, song called Pulse, which was cool, and a, then a spoken word record about draft dodgers that I, I picked up in my travels. It's a sort of, you know, you know, just... I did. I kept digging, and uh, you can find some odd records like that one, or you can just stumble into them. Uh, you love that record, Ace, the Draft Dodger. What's I your really favorite did. clip? You love the clip of the I guy, like the right? The guy with the kind of South Carolina accent. I think it's just really poignant, um, particularly given you know that a lot of times these days uh, Canadian and American values are being contrasted a lot, um, and, or and or we perceive ourselves as kind of holier than thou in a certain context and. It's definitely illustrated through the uh, initial American perceptions of Canadians, this sort of kinder, gentler, more open nature. Yeah, it's all hidden. Yeah, I'm, exactly. It's more subversive. The, our, our darkness I've only is just, been here for three weeks. And I, <laughs> it's like, okay, well. <laughs> um, three years, maybe. What year was a record from? And it was hard to find, wasn't it? Yeah, it didn't really have much information on it. It's from the, you know, the Vietnam War era, the, the American War and Vietnam War era. And you were saying, Ace, after we played that clip, you wanted to hear some flutes, right? Yeah, well, it just has a nice little flute transition moment. It gets gets real easy listening after that, which is even makes the record that much more interesting. And what did we hear right after that? Oh, well, we just kept going right along. But we, we went into a, a record that my cousin, my actual cousin, my, well, my second cousin, like uh, Kelly Walker, it was a group that he was in called the TLMC, the Toronto Liturgical Music Collective. That's from like the turn of the 70s. He played harpsichord on that track. Just lovely. You gotta <laughs> well, love the harpsichord to set it off, you know? So honored to be, you know, related to Kelly. He's been going through some health issues recently. Um, but uh, it's nice to connect again and look forward to seeing him out east sometime this coming year. And sending my love, and uh, and that was about it. That's all we heard. So you played your uncle's record. He also yeah. covered Jack Cousin. Brielle. Like I noticed on the record, twenty four forty two. He covered Jack Brielle. Why did he cover Jack Brielle? And also twenty four forty two. Why? That's a good question. I think we'll have to get Kelly on the next episode, and he can explain it. But I think it was you know he was coming of age in his forties, and uh, you know thinking back to. The earlier parts of his lives and everything and connecting he was a showman he played a piano very well he performed uh, solo shows at the o'keefe center in toronto which is a very and a, a prestigious no- venue notable venue in toronto um he's performed with people like uh, uh billy newton davies um and others his album was that album was produced by paul zaza i think he plays on it and 
um yeah kelly's great what a my you know geez my Let's, mom used to like listen to that tape and just loved it you know i would always listen to his version of the rose it's pretty cool having musicians in your family also it's fun yeah, having musicians fun. or people guiding you i posted a picture actually a video of one of the people mm -hmm. that guided you lockjaw mm -hmm. james bell james bell when i was he was helping me interview um, Jim Rose of the Jim Rose Circus Sideshow. Yeah, that's a beautiful clip. You have James right in his in his prime. And that was on the Nardwar Instagram at Nardwar if people want to check it out. N A R D W U A R. Also on Twitter, N A R D W U A R. Also, I noticed a picture on your Instagram, Redbird, native country. Yeah, Duke Redbird, Elder Doctor Duke Redbird, to oh. me. Didn't. Where did you get that record? And who is Redbird? Because you mentioned we should play some Redbird. Oh, Redbone, maybe. I think that's what we were talking about. This song. Oh, some. The song Alcatraz by Redbone. Um, Do not to be confused with Redbird. Well, that they're, they're, they would know of each other, I would think, like, uh, you know, Duke and Redbone. Redbird and Redbone, that would be a great concert. Like the poetry of Dr. Duke Redbird and the music of Redbone, like and that would be an evening. Like I would pay big bucks to go to that show. Should we try to set it up? It might be possible. I love the fact that you know so much. And again, we're speaking here to Ace from Toronto and Cipriano from Vancouver. I'm from Toronto originally. From Vancouver. <laughs> I'd like to claim you from Vancouver. Hey, whoa, Toronto's in the house. We're claiming them still. Yeah. Eglinton Street, you turn me on to the Eglinton Street tune by Black Uhuru. Yeah, you had to know it. It was pertaining to one of your interviews, I believe. Uh, yeah, with the rocker known as Party Next Door, because mm -hmm. there was a quote about the youth of Eglinton, about a gangster in Eglinton. Yeah, Ace will know, you know. Yeah, P&D. How was that interview? Did that go well? Yes, that was pretty cool, but it was really nice that Cipriano he told threw me you about a bone on that. Yeah, one. he told me about the Black Uhuru has a song yeah, all about youth of that street. Yeah, yeah. It's uh, you know what year did that come uh, out? Early eighties, probably late seventies. Yeah. I think early eighties. So it's actually on a record, 70s. which is pretty incredible that they actually wrote yeah, about Toronto. About, yeah. But when I was thinking back, like you've introduced Attention. me to quite a bit of music, Cipriano, oh. like Chips, Chicken, Banana Split. Yeah. I love that song. What is that song? That's JoJo and the Fugitives with Wayne McGee, rest in peace on the vocals, you know, with the hardcore drum breaks of Al Ison, an incredible drummer, um, Caribbean descent. And I noticed that Wayne McGee has been sampled by, like, Nas, Ghetto Concept, 8-Ball. It's like tons of people have sampled Wayne. Yeah, it's uh, his music has reached, you know, it's gone far beyond the, the recording studio in Toronto. I, Toronto to the world. I, yes. I, I think it's cool that Ghetto Concept sampled him, but his record is pretty rare, isn't it? Because Ghetto Concept were from Toronto, yeah. so sampling a Toronto band. But how rare was it to get a hold of a record? Because a lot of records burned down in a fire yeah, in the took, late 60s, right? It took right? me years to find my first copy. I'd been looking for it for a good seven or eight years before I found my first copy. 
You know, that's, this is a rare record. They don't they don't grow on trees. Who would you think would have sampled it for them? Well, was ghetto, it Attic or Ghetto Sample? Ghetto Ghetto Concept sampled it. Yeah. But it would be hard when they sampled it to get that record. Oh, there are some secrets on the Nardwar, the Human Serviette radio show today. I would say, which is not a secret, snitchers. about the re-release of Jamaica to Toronto. Could you mention that? Because there's going to be a re-release of yeah, the record. Yeah, we're trying to get Jamaica to Toronto back in print, which would be crucial, you know. It is crucial to have, you know, that music available to the people and supporting the artists the best it's possible, you know. There's a whole new generations that have been coming up since the uh, Jamaica to Toronto was released back in 2006, right? So it's like whole new, you know. There's a lot of youth that should know about this incredible history, of, you know, of incredible Caribbean musicians and coming to Canada and cutting incredible records, laying the groundwork for the Drakes and and you know, even in the in the 80s, 90s, the people like the Dream Warriors and Maestro Fresh West, you know. There has been a re-release of some Jackie Shane stuff. Is there any connection from, like, Jackie Shane to Jamaica to Toronto? Yeah, there is, in that um, Jackie Shane was performing with a band leader from the States that had come up by the name of Frank Motley, and he was a pioneer of rock and roll music, is, is regarded as such. He played two trumpets at the same time. He You know, that was part of his act, and... He apparently wrote he wrote and performed some early rock and roll numbers that were recorded and released in the States on small labels. And um, Jackie Shane played with Frank in Toronto, up with the Young Street Strip, all the clubs, Le Coq d'Or, Sa- uh, well, I guess Sapphire, I think, is in Montreal. But um, that uh, after Jackie, I don't know the actual story yet. I'm still waiting f- to read the, read line the liner notes. notes by Rob Bowman, incredible music historian and friend of mine. Rob Bowman is... Um, Wrote, wrote this, and I'm really excited. He's, he's probably the best rock writer in the world, you know, classic rock writer. So it's... Um, what about Glenn Copeland, Mr. Dress-Up? Yeah, but yeah, but we didn't... But like, sorry, I'm, I'm, so, I'm so slow today. I don't know why. But yeah, it's a beautiful rainy day in Vancouver. Um, but uh, no, The Mighty Pope. After Jackie Shane and Frank went separate ways, Frank Motley needed a new singer for his his hitchhikers group to perform with at all these gigs and 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 hired the mighty Pope, our friend Earl, Earl Nardwar Radio Show's friend Earl Hedrum, the mighty Pope. We've been playing his music for years. So he replaced Jackie he, Shane. Pope replaced Jackie Shane and, and has some cool stories that only Pope can share. If you bump into Pope, ask about the stories. He might be so kind to tell tell you about them. Just killer stuff. And I did mention in there Mr. Dress-Up, Glenn Copeland. Yeah, Beverly Glenn Copeland, Glenn Copeland. um, You know, yeah, as we know him. He's what what an incredible gift to the world. He was on Mr. Dress-Up's show, right? Yeah, yeah, in the 70s or or 80s. I'd have to get confirmation on the time frame. But when I grew up, I was watching Mr. Myself as well. Yeah, Ace as well, yeah. Yeah, he'd get the guitar out once in a while. Yeah, for sure. And yeah, Glenn would guest on the show. And like, I guess years later, as I'm digging through the crates looking for these old records, I came across these records, Beverly Copeland on CBC and the Beverly Glenn Copeland on GRT, same label as Funkadelic in the States and stuff. Uh, Glenn Copeland was an American musician that came to Canada and recorded this incredible music, sort of folk and acid folk, folk psych. Acid folk's are more like a new terminology. It's not wasn't called that back in the day necessarily, but um, you know, real free, free feeling jazz and folk music sort of merging together. And uh, 
yeah, and, you know, but Glenn's still performing, you know, living in uh, Sackville, New Brunswick, and performing locally and starting to tour across Canada. If you have an opportunity to see Glenn Copeland, it'll be the best concert experience you'll ever have in your life. I've been to like hundreds of concerts in my life, and the Glenn Copeland concert is definitely in the top uh, three events, concert events I've ever experienced in my whole life. And, you know, work in the music business professionally for 12 years, been active since, you know, from like as when I was a youth, buying a breakdance cassette in 1984 out in Poco at the Kmart, uh, thanks to my mom. And you even helped me with a Paul Weller interview. Oh, yeah. Oh, I got to meet <laughs> Paul Weller through that process, and it was an honor to meet one of my musical heroes, and actually was really just giving off really good positive energy. He's a true professional and Did he look person. through your records? Or did yeah, he, he give... looked through the records. He complimented me on my suit. I wore my Grammy my Grammy suit to uh, to the DJ at his concert, the two nights. You know, the I Grammy DJ, suit. I DJed at the Commodore. And you lost to Bob Dylan, I right? I lost to Bob Dylan, yeah. Nor- could, could be worse. I yeah, mean, no, it's a good, in, in good, I keep good company. The can, uh, actually, I think Robbie Robertson probably lost to Bob Dylan too, didn't he? At some point. Everybody loses <laughs> Bob Dylan. And Bob right boom. now, what do we have coming up here, Cipriano? Ooh, well, a record that should really go, go without saying, but it's a plastic cloud. On C-I-T-R. <laughs>
And you're listening to CITR Radio and the Nardwar, the Human Serviette Radio Show with special guest DJ Cipriano and his friend Ace. And Ace, just right off the bat, you were going to mention you were part of that video. I have to mention that. You were <laughs> yeah. part of that video. So, yeah, I was part of that video. I went to uh, That Peaks video is? Is uh, Cryptic Souls Crew by the group Len. And also, Steal My Sunshine, you're in that video. I'm not in that video. I'm in the other video, <laughs> Cryptic Souls Crew, which everybody else was also flown out for. A lot of budgets used on travel for um, small-time Canadian rap acts. So you give four bars on a multi-selling Len record. This is correct. And uh, I spell my name in numbers. How can people check you out if they go to a flea market? What? What? <laughs> how is your name spelled, Ace? I think it's it's Asics. I think, yeah, pretty sure. And you met Cipriano in Toronto. I did, where he is originally from. And Cipriano, what did we hear from the last segment back? Oh, we've been we've been all over the place. Yeah, we talked about the plastic cloud. Face behind the sun, rest in peace, Ty Scammo. And you love the font, Ace. I do. It's yeah. phenomenal. And it's a classic Canadian record, yeah. isn't it? Plastic cloud, come on. It's like, you know, regarded as the psychedelic platter that matters from Canada. But what about the Jarvis bam, bam. what about the Jarvis Street Review? That's a great one too. It's all subjective, you see. So but like I love I love Riverson, Roger Rodier. I, I love them all, you know. Peter Tessier, but Plastic Cloud to some, Bent Wind for others, you know. And then after the wind? Yeah, we had Life is a Drag by the Morrow Man. That's a late 60s depressing, moody pop song produced by Bob Hahn, who is a Montreal producer of Ill Repute. And if people checked out my Twitter, at Nardwar, N-A-R-D-W-U-A-R, they would have seen a picture of that record and your droopy eyelids, Cipriano? Yeah, life is a drag when you can't sleep at night. Life is a drag. And also, right after that, I think, what did we play? A very rare record. Yeah, we played the Black Savage. That um, I thought Kofiro. was from Toronto, but it's actually from... Africa. Uh, that I, I don't know the exact region, but it uh, came from a friend in Toronto that found it years ago. I'm carrying it on, uh, and I need to learn more about it that I can share it on air next time. You love records, don't you? I love music. You love food. Pringle. Pringle. Yeah, I'm turning into Pringle. Pringle from Hans. Pringle by nature, yeah. Hans. There's a nickname of a server that we had there. It was named Pringle, and I, I was often think about where he is. I, I hope that his spirit's in a great place. He was a beautiful man. And the Goldstone Bakery. Yeah, I love the S- Singapore Vermicelli there. you got to check it out. Singapore Vermicelli at Goldstone Bakery and Cafe on Kiefer Street. And you, Cipriano, found the exact spot where the B-in happened in 1967 in Vancouver? Yeah, I took a trek out to uh, the beaches, uh, you know, at the 50th anniversary of the BN, which is the hippie gathering in 67. It's last year then, I guess. I started at Ty Scammell's apartment, the, my guru's house. It was just right in my hood and then walked all the way down into to the to the first, second and third beaches and had a beautiful day. I tried to rally up the troops. It was pouring rain out and I didn't have any takers that day. So it was just me trekking out with my camera and all my my paraphernalia and stuff. So it was cool. Was anybody else there for the 50th anniversary of the Vancouver BN? Yeah, it was just me 
But uh, maybe for the hundredth, we'll get a we'll get some more support out for the hundredth. <laughs> and you also worked at HMV. Did you sell to any celebrities like Christina Ricci? Yeah. She bought a CD yeah. there once. I remember. Um, no, that would have been that would have been great. The same sort of era, maybe that. You know, she's in Buffalo '66 or something. But no, I, I sold some CDs one day. The biggest quote unquote celebrity that I ever sold uh, stuff to was Sarah Polly, and that was really exciting for me at the time. I was, you know. I was pretty nervous. I was a fan of her work. and uh, What uh, did she buy? Do you know? Uh, it was something pretty, I'm sorry to, it could have been a gift for somebody, but it was a fairly generic album. It didn't show sorry a lot of, you out her. didn't show a lot of personality, <laughs> but it, but you know, it might've just been a gift. Who knows? And music of all kinds is great, you know? And you worked at the Georgia Strait too. Yeah. For six years, put that on my resume, my CV. Um, yeah. And also... I want to mention, I saw you at the Slow Reunion. They're doing now 10 nights at the penthouse? Yeah. 10 nights? Yeah, apparently there's a uh, uh, secret room there. I've been to the penthouse over the years a couple of times. I'm not a fan of strip clubs, so like, uh, I want to learn a little bit more about this gig, but um, you know, I support Slow fully. Come on. Are you going to be there for 10 nights? 10 nights at the penthouse? Well, if they let me, yeah, I'd be honored. I was saying, like, I'm not really a fan of strip clubs personally, but I like the... Um, I like the music of slow, and I like old buildings in Vancouver, so we'll see what's going on, and I think it'll be great. And right now, thank you again, Cipriano, for coming out to the Nardwar, the Human Serviette radio show, and bringing a whole bunch of records. I have a record <laughs> to give to you. Now, I hope you don't have this record, and what is the importance of this record? Do you have oh, it? Oh, well, I don't have it. Thank you very much. Well, what, what record is this for the people that can't see? This is Malcolm X, music by Keith LeBlanc, No Sellout. What yeah. can you say about that record? You are not a sellout, or well, are you? I, I think about the, the concept of selling out quite a bit or what it would have meant to me throughout the ages, and it seems like, you know, there's no rules anymore that, you know, everyone's sold out. We sell it in so many ways, but I like to think about, you know, the days when, and that was an issue for a lot of people, you know, and that's how they dictated their choices or, or by such ethics. And that record is for you, a gift. Check Thanks. out, check out the sleeve. It is, if you pull yeah, out it's a beautiful Tommy well, boy. I, 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 but if you pull Label. out the inner sleeve, okay. it has a whole bunch of like records and record pools. Wow, it's amazing. I've never, I've never seen this before. So it's, and last yeah. time you came out, I gave you a two-tone sleeve. Yes. So it could be that, that the sleeve is more rare than Free. the actual record. But thank you also <laughs> for bringing out a whole bunch of records and bring out Ace as well. Yeah. Hey, thanks. Coming up, the UBC Happy Hour. But right now, what are we going to hear from what are we, some local Canadian content? Gun, gunshot Rhythm by Seekers International. Well, that's a Discorder cover artist from a couple of years back. Well, thank you very much, Ace and Cipriano. Keep on rocking in the free world and do do loot do. Seekers International. Do do. I'm 
Come and say, come on, let's hear it. 